This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is always great to be saving money and to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. We interrupt this episode of Energy Matters to take you outdoors. On the road again. This is Tim Eccles with Energy Matters on the road, and we're at Road Atlanta for this Petit Lamar race. It's held every year in October, a great experience. I'm here with Daniel. He's camping out here. First, Daniel, let me ask you, do you come every year? We've, we've come every year for the past four years now, and then on and off since before that. But, yeah, we, we really love it here. It's a great time. BMW is a popular car on the track here, and you're driving a BMW i3. Yes, I am. Uh, and behind us, we're hearing a lot of the, of the Porsches, uh, G, uh, the GT3 uh, series. But you've got an i3, and the i3 is something that, that was new to you. You used to drive a Volkswagen. So tell me about your experience with the i3. Well, I was looking around for a, um, I was very interested in EVs and just trying to find something that wasn't crazy expensive. And after doing a lot of research, and I saw where you get an i3 for under $20,000 with 30,000 miles. And it was a great car. As soon as I drove it, I knew I had to be in it. It's been a great transition for me. What are some of the things you've had to learn driving an electric vehicle as opposed to the previous gas vehicle that you had? Uh I feel like that gets blown out of proportion a lot because it's really not, for me, for my normal commute, I mean, I, char- I charge at home every night, so I just, I unplug and I just, I do my normal commute throughout the day and don't have to worry about DC fast charging or, you know, really, there's not really a, um, I haven't seen a, really any major differences other than regenerative braking, which is awesome. I love, I love the one foot driving. It's really not, other than the, the instant torque available at zero RPM, it's really not anything different. I love it. Do you ever think we'll see electric vehicles out of here at Road Atlanta? I know Don Panis had a hybrid that he ran way back when. I mean, we're still, you know, we've had some we've had some hybrids, but never fully electric. Do you think we'll ever see that? I think we will, but I think the battery the battery technology is going to have to come a long way. The energy density is going to have to really come up before we can see uh, and and the fast charging technology too. It's definitely in our future, but it's probably a ways out. I'd be very excited to see it. You know, when you got your car, the i3, there were probably about 20 cars that had a plug. This year, there are 48 cars with a plug. What do you see as the future for electric vehicles, either fully electric or hybrid plug-in? Yeah, I don't see the hybrid plug-in being being the future. I I see it strictly electric. Um, Yeah. I mean, the i3. I have I have the range extender on the i3, so it's technically a hybrid, and I I do I do use it, but it's very rare that I turn on the range extender. But once going back to energy energy density and um, and the charging capabilities too, I feel like once those which they are, they're increasing substantially right now. So I feel like that will bleed over into the. You know, the German manufacturers they were a little bit late coming to the electric car game and I've talked to the Germans about this. They said one of the reasons is they wanted to make sure they got it right. That it was a high performance, high quality product. And now you see Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen going in big time. How do you think the German manufacturers are going to impact the EV market? Well I feel like BMW had a chance to really do a lot more. They came out with the I3 in 2014 and they they've done some mate some minor updates to it. But they, I feel like they've really dropped the ball on further developing the i3 and the i8. But I, I'm seeing the new, uh, seeing Porsche's new Taycan and seeing the um, uh, the, the new Audi that's going to be built in that same platform. They, that, that's a very impressive, very impressive platform. I, that's that's going to bring the EV world a long way. You know, one of the things about the German cars, the newer ones, is they take a lot of energy. Uh, there's seven, there's seven uh, DC fast chargers at the Porsche headquarters down in Hayville, 
it, it, it pulls over two megawatts of electricity if you were using those seven simultaneously. And frankly, as the regulator who regulates the grid in Georgia, our grid is really not ready for that yet. And, and I think that's one of the things we've got to do is get the grid ready for simultaneous charging for German-type cars that are that are thirsty, as well as for transit buses and trucks and things like that. I mean, what do you think about the backbone that we need in order to be able to charge these cars? I'm not honestly. I'm not too familiar with the uh, with the infrastructure side of everything. I do realize that these DC fast chargers and the uh, these German cars that are coming out charging at 250 kilowatt. I mean, that's sucking down some major power. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we will have to strengthen our infrastructure to be able to charge many cars like that at once. You know, you think about autonomous cars, right? Those Teslas, they've got that, they've got that autonomous mode. Obviously, we're not running autonomous cars now, but obviously all autonomous cars will be electric. They're not going to be gas or diesel autonomous cars. What do you think when you, when you think about autonomous cars? Is it 10 years away, 20 years away, 30 years away, as you think about the development of fully autonomous cars, and are there intermediate steps? Yeah, so it's a... Sorry, I got completely distracted. <laughs> well, will we repeat the question? I'm sorry. Yeah, we're sitting... Yeah, we just saw a Porsche uh, run off the track here. Uh, uh, but we're, we're talking about autonomous cars and whether or not these things are going to be disruptive in the next 10, 20, 30 years. What do you think is the future of autonomous cars? Yeah, so I've, I'm a software engineer by trade, so it's, it kind of scares me seeing how much people trust autopilot in its current form. And uh, I still see it at least 10 years down the road before, it's, before you can just hop in your autonomous car and it takes you from point A to point B without any intervention. I think Elon's a little crazy thinking he's going to have his robo-taxi network ready to go by the end of the year so we'll see <laughs> well this is tim eccles and i'm here uh is this turn 10 11 10 b uh, I'm, I'm here at 10 turn b uh 10 b at uh, road atlanta and you're listening to energy matters on the road we now resume our regular scheduled program man was that ever a cool experience i'm tim eccles i'm the host of energy matters i was at road atlanta for the petit lama uh i I guess that's how you say that um andrew you speak french uh no my mom does so i actually know how to say things like shut your mouth and that's enough yeah how do you say petit lamans in in, you know in the french fashion do you know no i would butcher it she would be so embarrassed yeah so but i was there it was fun and you had a chance to listen to it this is andrew saunders my co-host today he's a sustainability officer for athens clark so more and more guys it was interesting that you know he had come from a traditional car Mm -hmm. to an ev uh had come out of a vw and into that bmw i3 uh and performance especially from these german manufacturers they're all about performance are you I mean, you drive an EV. You see in that uh, in and around your world. So, uh, what I will tell you is that the performance of EVs in the form of torque and braking and and cornering is is almost insane. Uh, Georgia Power was kind enough to let me take their uh, Tesla Model Three for a, a test drive. I couldn't even floor it. Like I, I I was afraid I would lose control. More importantly, if you look at companies that are focused on performance, the Ferraris and the Maseratis, they're all coming electric because they see that this is going to be what really gets their customers' attention. You know, the, the noise factor, and you know, I've got, I have three boys, and they all have put, put mufflers on vehicles mm-hmm. that, that they had. And, and I, on my first truck, I split the manifold and put glass packs mm-hmm. on that. So, uh, the, the guys, you know, in my life like noise. In fact, I went to this Formula E race in Montreal, uh, which is electric. Yeah. Right. And, and and it was quiet. I didn't have to wear headphones. I could talk to the people uh, that I was there with. But yet, but yet they had trouble filling the stands. I mean, they in Montreal they have a Formula One race. Mm-hmm. They have a whole little island built for Formula One racing, and of course that's very popular. But I mean, do you think the fact that these cars aren't noisy, uh, that 
at least take the male side of the population, is that going to keep them from going all in on this? I do initially, for sure. Um, I, I think that that's part of the race. I mean, if you listen to that segment, the noise is incredible and it gets your pulse going. And even in the residential side, we've seen the electric car manufacturers have had to add noise to their cars just to make it safer for people around cities. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if one day we had a race car that was really loud and just happened to be electric. Let's talk about this range extender, which uh, which I guess you could just coin that as a generator, uh, like mm-hmm. in the Chevy Volt mm-hmm. that they had. Explain what a range extender is. So it is the, um, the transition between full electric and a gas engine vehicle. Sometimes it comes in the form of a plug-in hybrid. Sometimes it's actually like a small little generator that's either towed behind the car or integrated with the car. But what it does is it allows you to take fossil fuel and create electricity with it and keep an electric car going So you're essentially using, like in a Volt or a BMW i3, you're using that gas engine to actually charge the battery. You're not actually running the car on the engine. That's right. That's correct. You know what the Germans are doing now? And I was in Munich and had a chance to go to the BMW Welt, the experience center and museum that they have over there. They are not going with that concept anymore. They are building a very powerful powerful electric motor that in the case of the 7 series it it would BMW was in the back of the car mm-hmm. but they still have that huge gas engine up front that car is generating even more horsepower mm-hmm. even more torque more speed it's just got you know a, another engine in it now it's got two instead of one yeah those those really high performance cars where where electric shines is the the initial launch off the line how quickly they can go and tip, traditionally, gas engine motors lag a little bit early. So when you combine them, you get that shot right out of the gate, and then the gas motor can come and really take off. Awesome. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matter. I'm at Tim Eccles on Twitter and the shows at Matters Radio. Stick around. More great conversation on technology, saving money, and sustainability. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make. Like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, today's the day. I've been talking about Road Atlanta, the Petit Le Mans, one of my favorite events for the whole year. Uh, and today's the race day. And with me today to kick off our show, my colleague, Bubba McDonald, who has a little bit of history with Don Panis, this track, the hotel, the winery, everything that happened there. Welcome to the show, Commissioner. Thank you, Tim. Great to be with you this morning. Commissioner, I'm way back when... When Don Panis uh, came to the U.S. and began thinking about doing a winery, I mean, that there was a lot of obstacles, and you kind of helped make that happen. Don came to Georgia in the red carpet tour. Ray McRae was president of the First National Bank in Gainesville. Don picked some grapes uh, at Blackstock's little vineyard, Wadima Vineyard, just a vine, coming from Gainesville going to the pharmacy school in Athens. He decided that he thought that maybe could grow grapes in Georgia. Chateau Elan started in my living room in Commerce, Georgia with Don Paynos, Ray McRae, and 
and a guy named Ed Friedrich, who was his wine chemist from California. Started there, I did the Farm Winery Act in the legislature. I was in the House of Representatives that time. I did the Farm Winery Act where that they could bring uh, the juices, the vernacular juices or whatever, uh, into Georgia, and the taxes on that would, would escalate as the vines grew. And that's where it started, and uh, I was privileged to uh, be with Don and everything that he did, opening hotels, opening golf courses, opening racetracks, until his death. And I was there when uh, the memorial service for Don's death was there. Everything, he, in he involved me in it. Bubba, this race today uh, was his vision, the Petit Le Mans. Uh, you know, he ran in that real French Le Mans over there, and then he brought something like that here, is still going, uh, and racing, and all that Panis has done has been incredible for economic development in northeast Georgia. That's true, and of course he had the first electric uh, race car that, that, that demonstrated up there and, and did very well. He also bought uh, Sebron in Florida, that racetrack there. And uh, so it's just remarkable, the vision the guy had uh, was just amazing, and of course the the uh, Panos Roadster and the the cars that he built uh, is just absolutely amazing. You know, as we think about where George is going in the future uh, with energy, you and I uh, regulate energy along with our colleagues, and of course you are the the solar godfather of Georgia. I remember um, way back way back when when I first got to the commission I had no idea how we could possibly move the things forward but you had the experience you had the the political capital to really make it happen here in Georgia as we kicked it off what what are your hopes for solar as we go forward in the future well Tim I'm gonna give you credit too and Doug Everett because I went to y'all and I ask you to support me on something that I wanted to do in the 2013 RRP that Georgia Power did not have one single watt of solar power in that RRP. And I ask y'all to support me. I'll tell you what I'm going to do after I get it done. And y'all had faith in me, two of the four of you on the commission. Then I brought 525 megawatts as to the future of solar. The future is built on the past. We have had a very constructive, market-driven solar program in Georgia. It's been the envy of the, of the nation, really. Uh, we are now sixth or fifth in the nation in solar growth. No upward pressure on our ratepayers and no state subsidies to do this. It's been a fantastic program. We've had a great partner with Georgia Power. Our EMCs are coming along nicely with their solar programs. Even some of our municipal electorates are doing the same thing. So Georgia is in the limelight. But the other thing is, Tim, we have the diversification of generation. We're not, a, we're not a California and have rolling brownouts and blackouts. We have the diversification, and the best friend that solar can have is nuclear energy. And we have the first only two new nuclear plants in the nation in over 36 years. Yes, there's been some hiccups. Nobody would have expected Westinghouse to go bankrupt. There's been some hiccups, but we're going to finish that program, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit the people of Georgia for the next 80-plus years. You know, as I, I think about our legacy on the commission now, th this, this Vogel plant that is going to happen is going to power Georgia for our children, our grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren. I'm so optimistic, and we have endured a lot of difficulty on this thing, but, I mean, that's part of it, right? That's true, very true. But you got to understand this. Even with difficulty, it takes thick skin, and it takes people like you, like my colleagues, that uh, will stand up and uh, take, the, take the hits that we take uh, doing what we see will be the best. And you know, Georgia, Georgia talks about being the seven years in a row of the best state in the nation to do business in. One of the things that's very important is for manufacturing, development, what is my energy cost and what is the reliability of it? That reliability word is so, so important when you look about the future of this nation and state of Georgia. You know, the California grid is reliable about 51 weeks out of the year. It's only about a week that they have to tell people to turn off their power. And, man, I can't imagine any quicker way for you and I to be fired than to start doing rolling brownouts. Wouldn't be fired. We'd be ridden out of town on a, 
on something with tarred and feathered. <laughs> it's so important, uh, this reliability, cost, diversification. You know, as you've traveled the state, and we're standing in front of your, your, your Kia Telluride uh, here with your, with your logo on it, and you're traveling the state, made in LaGrange, Georgia, West Point, Georgia, and you are, uh, you're up for re-election this year. And as you travel middle Georgia, south Georgia, what kind of, what kind of feedback do you get about all of that solar that we've done down in middle and south Georgia? Oh, it's, it's been very well received. It's brought, it's brought economic development to many of the counties down there. It brought tax base to many of the counties that didn't have much of a tax base. And, and, and of course, it's just, uh, it's just started, really. And uh, what we see is what we've gotten, and uh, everybody's happy about it. Uh, we had the hiccup of Solyndra, if you remember, uh, getting over that word that the federal government under the Obama administration just poured money into a bottomless bucket in California. And, and we had to get over that hump. People associated solar with Solyndra. And uh, we, we got over that. And again, I can't tell you how many times that the other states look at Georgia and how we've done our program. You know, uh, folks have looked at Georgia Power and they've said, you know, we've, we've got them too involved, but you and I both went to Germany. We both saw what they were doing over there, those high power bills, and we came back, and, and as you said earlier, uh, your motion, me and, me and Doug supporting you in it, has put Georgia Power at the table, and they've learned a lot about solar, haven't they? Well, they embraced it so much that you think they would have invented solar. I remind them that quite often. Yeah, yeah, they've gotten so good that they think they've invented it. You know, they have moved us along, and we're going to continue to grow. What about these batteries? Do you feel like solar plus batteries is a way in the future for us, or is that mainly going to be a California thing? No, no, it's it's technology, the development. It's just like in in thirteen, the price of solar had gone down, the the technology had gone up. We called it the perfect storm because. Interest rates were very favorable for long-term interest. And we had the land, Georgia, the largest geographical state east of the Mississippi River. And one other thing that we have that a lot of places don't have, we have the electrons from the sun because we have great sun in Georgia. If Germany had 50% of what Georgia has, they, they just love it very much. God put that to us. We didn't do that. You know, you and I uh, run for office uh, every six years. A lot of folks don't understand the Public Service Commission and what we do. Why is, why is this office so important? Well, Tim, we know that it, this agency that we serve on probably has as much of an impact on the people's pocketbook as any other agency in state government. And what our charge is, is we've got to make sure that number one, we have that reliability. Number two, we have affordable energy. And number three, we have clean energy. And that's what this commission has been working on for several years. I've been privileged to be a part of it. I appreciate the people of Georgia's confidence in me to do that. Also in you, we work in partnerships with those that we regulate and, and we, we get the job done. As you, uh, just in our last minute, you, you're, you're traveling the state every single day out there. What are you hearing from people about Georgians, about what they're concerned about in regard to energy in the future? Georgians want the lights to come on when they flip the switch and they want to be able to pay the bill at the end of the month. As far as what generation mix we have, only those that are close to that really get involved in that. But the average Georgian is just wants to have the service. Yeah, re reliability is so important and I, and, and I think it's a driving force for all of us on the commission. Well, I mean, you've been, uh, you've been cruising around, you make speeches, you, uh, you meet with folks for breakfast. I mean, you're, you're tireless. Uh, I mean, you call me the Energizer Bunny, but really you're the original Energizer bunny uh, you still enjoy campaigning i love it very much i love talking to the people of georgia my 20 years in the state legislature gives me an opportunity to, to revisit people that i served with for many many years in different parts of the state and that's that's a blessing and uh good lord has given me great health and uh i've put over twenty-eight thousand miles on this kia uh this year and uh I look forward to when the election's over to flying my airplane more
Well, there you have it. Commissioner McDonald and I, as we kick off uh, the Road Atlanta Petite Lamar, thank you very much, Commissioner, for being on the show. Thank you, Tim. God bless America. Hey, stick around. I'll be right back with more info about racing and all the fun things happening here in Northeast Georgia. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Tim Eccles for Marlin Gas Services. As the port continues to grow, more and more trucking companies are using natural gas in their trucks instead of diesel. Marlin Gas Services is helping to usher in this clean opportunity. With their specialized rigs, they create virtual pipelines with all the equipment and expertise to provide reliable, clean natural gas. Marlin Gas is the company that gas utilities, pipeline companies, and industrial facilities turn to. See MarlinGas.com for more information. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. COVID-19 has changed everything, even buying a car. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, not only sanitizes every car, but you can buy it online and they'll trailer it to your home anywhere in Georgia and surrounding states. They've used electric cars, plug-in hybrids, and traditional hybrids. Check out the inventory at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. They have a three-day loaner period as well if you want to make sure electric works for you. Check them out at ev-hybrid.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We're back at Energy Matters and at Road Atlanta. I'm with Larry here. Uh, we're out on the track just doing some interviews today. Larry, how, how long have you been coming to the Petit Le Mans? 20 years. Uh, so, Larry, you've been to all of these, and you guys camp every year? Yes, sir, we do. We have a, come up here and have a good time for the week. Yeah, so you got your buds up here. Are these guys you regularly hang out with, or you just meet them up here? They're like family. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year with COVID, uh, you know, reduced capacity, all the extra, all the extra uh, precautions uh, didn't slow you guys down. No, sir. We're up here bright and early, ready to watch some racing. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about coming to a road race like this? Uh, the venue. It's it's so wide open here and, and so gorgeous and just a lot of places to go and a lot of different spots to watch the racing and a lot of good folks. Do you have a sports car yourself? Uh, I have a couple of old Mustangs. I. Yeah, this year I know that they've got an EV performance corral with a Porsche Taycan, maybe a Mustang Mach 1, all those Teslas. Have you thought about those EVs and will they become a thing in the future or you think it's just a fad? I think it is the future but I still love the piston engines. Yeah I mean can you have racing without the noise? The Audis tried that for a couple of years and ended up having to put some equipment on the car so people could actually hear them because when they went by you didn't hear them. Yeah so I, I know that the Formula E is uh, you know is struggling you know to go into various markets uh, and they just haven't been able to get the crowds that the regular Formula One has. Uh, well, racing's all about a lot of different things, and one of them is noise and hearing the engines and how the cars are running, and when they're electric, you have no idea what the cars are doing. What if they put artificial noise in there that was really loud? Would that change it for you? I think it would. Okay. All right, let's go to John. Yes. John, I got John here. John, where are you from? Montgomery. So, John, you came over. Uh, do you go to lots of races, or is this just it for the year? Um, I've been doing Road Atlanta. This is my 44th year, um, way before the Petit Le Mans ever started. But, uh, no, Road Atlanta's Mecca, and 12 hours of Sebring, 24 hours of Daytona, Indianapolis. We do all of those. And, uh, no, Road, Road Atlanta's Mecca. It's just one of those kind of things that uh, after you've experienced it and compared it to the others, uh, there is no comparison. Yes, so do you have a sports car yourself? <laughs> a shop full. Guard, uh, yes, I've got, I've got sports cars, race cars. So one of the shows on WGAU, this show, is called Energy Matters. So we're talking about technology, sustainability. EVs come up a lot. What's your opinion about when these EVs are going to be primetime First, maybe in the sports car world, and then just out on the highways for commuters. 
That's an excellent question to ask me because I'll tell you how the cow eats a cabbage. It's one of those kind of things that the powers that be need to pay attention that 50% of racing is the noise emitted and the vibrations going through the body. If you've got the electric stuff or you've got the old Audis or something and it's a whisper and doesn't make any noise, my thought is raw and uh it's just one of those kind of deals that no that's part of it it's going to be a shame when we all have to go to nothing but the vintage races to be able to hear and feel the cars yeah so the the vintage uh tell our audience what you mean by the vintage races um there are vintage racing organizations historic racing organizations that takes uh, actual race cars from the uh, earlier days the 50s 60s 70s uh, that were the prime stuff and they all have their own sound signature you know and it's it's a joy it's a joy that, that's just part of the like i said 50 percent so you're saying those porsches that run on the track have a sound signature the bmws have a sound signature the prototypes have a sound signature everything's different yes like well the that formula e i wouldn't go to one of those to tell you the honest truth i mean it, it's kind of okay to watch a little bit on television but with no sound it, it just it loses such a such a big grasp of it and if anybody's ever heard a porsche 917 which ran a flat 12 cylinder motor the what comes out of the exhaust pipes of those is sunshine and musical notes yeah that's great okay who's your next buddy over here indy ray indy ray you're from indianapolis yes yes i am yeah, how about them Colts? Uh, great defense. <laughs> uh, they need a better quarterback, though. Falcons are struggling down here as well. We just fired our coach and general manager. Let me ask you about your trek down here. You come every year? Yes, yes, I do. I go to a lot of races, but I come here every year. And what's your favorite thing about Road Atlanta and the experience of Petite? Uh, it's a roller coaster. A lot of up and down. Uh, the fans are great. Um, you know, we come here to see race cars go fast, but we also come here to hang out with our friends. These people I met at a racetrack, we joined together at different racetracks around the country, um, and it's just, it's family. It's just great to get back with, with them, commiserate, and enjoy the sport. During the race, will you be sitting on top of your camper? Will you be trackside? Will you be going to different corners? What What's kind of your typical uh big race day well we we have little mini trails so we go out and and experience the the race from different vantages so uh we get the full feel of what it's like it's really great right here because you're at the highest speed of the cars going by where they're really wide open before they hit the brakes to go into 10a and uh yeah that sensation of speed is probably best right here yeah so we're on the back stretch uh here things are quiet right now until the race do you have a sports car yourself uh no i don't no i don't and i let me ask you the same thing i asked your buddies about the electric vehicles and when they're going to be prime time they're 48 vehicles with a plug this year a lot of german manufacturers have both the gas engine and the electric motor uh so uh, and, and that sound that we're hearing is a lawnmower. It's not the sound of a race car. But um, when do you think these things are going to be prime time? Well, I, you know, it's progress, and you can't stop it. It's inevitable. And I'm an old-timer, and I, I live for the noise of a racetrack, and that's going to take some getting used to. Um, you know, I went through uh, the turbines uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s in Indianapolis, and they sounded like a vacuum cleaner, okay? Um, and I miss that, that, that sound. I mean, the sound of a piston engine is part of what racing is all about. But I, I realize as an old-timer, I've gotta, I've gotta go with the times, I can't resist it. And, you know, if they can, if they can come out, out with a way to make a, an EV sound like a 917 Porsche, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> Well, let me get your last buddy here walking this dog. What's your name, sir? Steve Sadler. And where are you from? Salem, Indiana. And do you come here or do you go to a lot of races? Well, we go to a lot of races. This is my first time here. And 
I know you haven't had a chance to get out there on the track and uh, and see all the corners and everything, but what have you heard about Road Atlanta that makes you want to come here? Ray and I go with a bunch of our friends to uh, Mid-Ohio every year, and it's similar in that it's out in the country in the rolling hills, so you get a lot of changes of elevation, a lot of turns, a lot of challenging things for the driver, which I think makes it fun for we fans. And do you have a sports car yourself? I do not. Do you want one? Oh, sure. I'm a red-blooded red American boy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, your, your colleagues, camping colleagues here, have said that sound is a critical part of this. In fact, they might not even come if it weren't for the sound. Is that true for you? Probably. I really enjoy it. We set up in Turn 4 at Indy, and the biggest uh, thrill, I think, of the year for me is when they come through Turn 3 into 4 the first time at speed, and they're all still kind of bunched together. You get 33 cars going as fast as they can. That's really hard to beat. <laughs> None of you have talked about the smell of fuel, right, which you don't get on electric vehicles. So you've all just talked about hearing, but I'm going to go back and ask each of you about the smell of race fuel. And if that is uh, if that is a factor, let me let's step out of the way of this car here. Um, what, what do you think? Well, it's not for me because I don't have a sense of smell anymore. <laughs> so I can't smell anything anytime. Maybe you have COVID. Uh, it's possible. I really, I really, really hope not, but uh, it, no. it is possible. No. no, I'm just old. It no. quit working 15 years or so ago. I don't miss it when I go to the racetrack because I can go and take my time in a porta potty where everybody else has to run in and run out. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, probably too much information. Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you about the the smell. Actually, the smells of fuel um, is a fantastic thing if you pay attention to it. I know back in the actual 80s. You could go to one of the, like uh, Daytona for the 24-hour races, and uh, some of them had a flavor. Matter of fact, uh, Bob Aiken's Coca-Cola Porsche, when it would come by you, uh, it smelled like burnt cinnamon. It was wonderful. Um, in my race cars, I run 112 octane, and that stuff, it actually smells more like model airplane glue than it does gasoline. But when it comes through the pipe after being burned, it is perfume. Wow, I mean, folks, you're getting an education here. I mean, we're learning about the smell of racing, the sound of racing. Let me go back to um, my last guest today. How about the, the, the olfactory, the smell? Is that, how important is that? It, it is important. I mean, you, you view the race with all your senses and smell is an important part of that. So uh, I don't think it's as important as the noise. No, but, and the vibration. But, yeah, but it's, it's an important part of it. Well, thank you guys for being on Road Atlanta. Uh, Energy Matters special. Appreciate you being here. I'm out of time. One last thing we want to say from the alumni folks here. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening. All right. This is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com. ev hybrid.com Hey, it's Commissioner Eccles back for one final segment here at Road Atlanta, the Petit Le Mans 
as Peter Heinzelman likes to say in his French accent. Um, this is going to be an incredible event today. I've got um, one of my buddies uh, from way back, Joy Kramer, who runs the Clean Energy Road Show and really helped bring this together. Joy, it's going to be an exciting day today. I know, and it's a beautiful day, and I'm happy to be out here with you. You know, when we started doing the Clean Energy Road Show way back when, 2000. 11 2012 those early years there were very few electric cars to choose from i mean we were promoting natural gas stuff which we still do lng stuff uh there was a an occasional fuel cell thing out there and a few evs but evs have really come on in the last uh in the last seven or eight years haven't they oh absolutely and the the distance that they can travel on a single charge is a, it's really come a long way so this EV Performance Corral, we're sitting under the solar canopy, and we've had lots of folks come through this week, uh, maybe seeing an EV for the first time. I mean, how important are educational events in terms of raising awareness on these things? Well, it's ex they're extremely important because there's so many perceptions out there. People have never actually driven one. They, have, they might have range anxiety, but they don't really know that today's electric vehicle can go 300 miles or more. And there are an amazing number of benefits to owning and driving an electric vehicle. Number one being so little maintenance whatsoever. And number two, and more importantly for me, they are so much fun to drive. They're super fast. I encourage anybody to come on out here and take a look at any one of these cars. Go to a dealership that has electric vehicles. You will be amazed at the performance that you get out of an EV. Joy, I guess through the years, we've taken the Clean Energy Roadshow to every, uh, every nook and corner, every hamlet almost in the state of Georgia as we've tried to educate people about what the road the road show is what evs what natural gas cars can do i mean what have you learned through <laughs> through all of this that we've done about uh, about promoting this or marketing this well what i'm seeing is there's a lot more interest than there ever was years ago when we first started it was really just a round table of a few a few interested utilities uh, that came to listen to the story about EVs coming and now you see every single manufacturer stepping up to the plate they're building new models they're gorgeous cars and we're, we're just seeing so much more interest from the dealer level from the consumer level from the fleet level the excitement right now that's coming besides the electric vehicles uh, the passenger cars is really in the fleet section we've got so many work trucks now that are coming on board that um, you just you never heard of and municipalities and commercial fleets are really excited about that and starting to try and understand what's coming next yeah so when you say to someone hey, have you ever heard of an electric car they're probably going to say a tesla but what you're saying, I guess, is that in five or six years, it could be they say, oh, yeah, the MCI bus or uh, this this green shuttle van or that, that these commercial vehicles, especially, I guess, these Rivian Amazon vans that are coming, which is probably the thing that most people will eventually see. I mean, this is going to kind of change the narrative, right? Oh, it absolutely is. And now you're really starting to see the electric school buses come on. That's the exciting thing is it's made its way into the transit community. And there are lots and lots of communities that are running electric buses. There are a lot of companies making electric buses. Even in right here in Georgia, we have Bluebird that is making an electric bus. And there are a number of other school bus companies out there that are all getting on board. And it's so much safer, so much safer for the kids to be in an electric bus. There's no emissions. So as you think about, you know, five to ten years from now, and I think uh, UBS had projected that EVs would be disruptive to the economy 2032. I mean, do you think that's about right or do you think it's going to be sooner? It's coming really, really fast. So I definitely think it's going to be much sooner every prediction that they made they've blown through um, they've blown through those uh, statistics so it's really coming on strong every all the manufacturers are coming out with new models and it's just way faster than we expected it to happen 
our Clean Energy Roadshow, you know, featuring uh, a walk around of a Thomas Electric school bus. I went to Montreal and saw the E Lion Electric school bus. You mentioned uh, Bluebird, so I mean, if if every school child gets on an electric bus in five or ten years, that really could begin to change the way young people think about EVs. Yeah, when you're starting at the elementary grade level, people are growing up with these concepts and eventually internal combustion engines will be like sort of the way of the home telephone <laughs> you know or the the dial-up uh, phone the rotary phone nobody even knows what that is anymore i had a princess phone when i was growing up nobody knows what that is but now you have your kids growing up with electric vehicles they're not going to really understand that what a gasoline car is in 20 years peter hanselman uh and uh, and chip jenkins uh from Cobb, EMC, and, and Jackson, respectively, really stepped up, t- uh, along with Georgia Power, to to do what we needed to do to have this real estate, two acres here during the race, right across from the fan zone, in order to uh, promote this. And Peter, a- as you may know, is a race car driver. He's uh, an airplane pilot and a boat captain. But, you know, Joy, I don't think he has anything on you <laughs> because... You know, you you yourself are a sailor, and uh, tell our audience about that one ill-fated adventure that you had. Yes, yeah, so it was several years ago, and my fiancé and I had gone on a three-month-at-sea adventure in a 37-foot sloop, and it was in the middle of the night that uh, my fiance had discovered that there was a leak in the bottom of the boat one of the through hole plugs had come loose in the middle of a place that was in between puerto rico and saint thomas called the mona passage where the the water is about six thousand or seven thousand feet deep and we had to hand bail all that water out in enough time before we sunk the boat And there wasn't anybody to call. There's no Coast Guard when you're way out at sea. And so it was quite an adventure. And, uh, yeah, we were afraid for our lives. But that's when the rubber meets the road. And we really pulled together. And the two of us got out of that jam. And, boy, it was a scary night. And so everybody uh, listening, you think these race car drivers put their life at risk. And and that this is scary. Well, they, they got nothing on on Joy Kramer, you know, sailing through the Caribbean, you know, with a hole in the boat in the middle of the night. Um, so, I mean, Joy, did that change your attitude about sailing? No, but it, it taught me a good lesson that when you go to sea, you have to be prepared for every contingency. And I carry that contingency theory with me in any event that I do. You always have to think two steps ahead and like what could happen and be prepared for those somebody once said to me that one is none two is one and three is about right when it comes to backup systems wow you know joy i think about my fourth electric vehicle we're sitting here looking at my chevy volt underneath uh, this beam arc unit being charged right now by solar Um, and i think of all the contingency that I have to make, you know, driving an electric car, especially when I had the Nissan Leafs and I only had a certain number of miles. And, you know, just making sure that before I got too far away from a charger that I topped off. I mean, do you find that people that drive alternative fuel vehicles make these contingency plans on a regular basis? Well, yes, you do, just like an airplane pilot would. You always have to plan for how much fuel you have. It's just, it's just good planning. And I think that range anxiety is probably more prevalent in people that are new electric vehicle drivers. Once you become comfortable with where empty is, you always know where the next fueling stop is. Yeah, the plug share app is something we use religiously uh, because you pull it up and you know where your chargers are. You can read about the charger. Is it working? Who's the last person that's been there? Where's it at in the in the parking garage on the first floor, the third floor, the fifth floor? So that plug share app is a wonderful kind of cheater tool 
Um, but you know, there are also some go-to chargers that you know that uh, that you have. I know Georgia Power's building a lot of these out, aren't they? Well, yes, and thanks to the Public Service Commission, there is going to be so many more chargers on the road coming up in the next few years. And as the battery, um, the range increases and the number of uh, fueling chargers increases, it's going to reduce a lot of anxiety about, is this, can this be my only car? Well, those of you listening uh, in our show airs, on Saturday morning in Athens and and uh, in Brunswick, I don't know about the Brunswick guys unless you got an airplane. But if you're in the Athens area, you can get out here today for the Petit Le Mans and and come check us out over here. Joy, where can they find out about the Clean Energy Roadshow? I'm glad you mentioned that because in just a in just a couple of weeks, there is going to be the Alternative Fuel Vehicle Showcase for work trucks and fleet vehicles. And we're gonna be looking at buses and school buses and work trucks on November 8th at 1 p.m. And you can go to cleanenergyroadshow.com and get all the details and it's free to join the webinar. Joy, thanks for being my guest today. My pleasure. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matter. I got a lot of racing to watch today. And if you're out here, come and join us at the, at the uh, EV Performance Corral. Tune in every week uh, or go to WGAUradio.com, click on demand, and catch any of our back episodes. I'm Tim Eccles. Have a great day, everybody. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Come.